Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Falcon and Winter Soldier. 30 questions, a show where we ask 30 questions each week about the new episode on Disney+. Plus. I am your host, Adam Portress, and joining me today, that's his fighting arm, Sweet Sean Kovacs from the internet. That black lady did what to it? <laughs> and skyrockets in flight, he loves him some Turkish delights, Bruce Leslie. I think yellow is my third favorite color. Oh, well, what, come on. First first has got to be blue for you, right? You're a blue kind of oh, no. guy? No, it's more like beige, khaki, and then yellow. Oh, well, it's, it, it all seems to be part of the theme, and I can respect that. <laughs> well, we are back, everybody, with a, uh, another episode for you, Season 1, Episode 4, entitled The World, uh, The Whole World is Watching, rather. Uh, question number one, let's get into it. This week's episode felt different. Now, I'm not sure what it was, but this uh, episode felt different than the, than the others, so I looked it up to see if they had changed directors, and what I found out is that every episode this year is directed by Carrie Scogland. Have you guys heard of Carrie Scogland before? I haven't. Uh, so, uh, episode one of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, 30 Questions. Uh, the the question was question 27. <laughs> I asked the question, Carrie Scoglin directed this episode and she's been a director since 1994. In the last few years, she's directed Walking Dead and A Handmaid's Tale and The Americans. How do you think she did? Adam Portress says, and I'm quoting, quote, she's doing a fantastic job so far. Big fan, end quote. <laughs> Good job, man. Wow. To believe that you have that kind of recall, that you came up with that with no prep, Sean, that is so No impressive. prep. He's I, an encyclopedic I, Britannica pro boy, I tell you And what. I remember my answer was, I've never seen The Americans. And then you said, yes. oh, it's good. You should watch it. And yes. I, said, I haven't seen it. So call that a portrait. All point. right. So uh, Adam has short-term memory <laughs> loss. Let's chalk that up for the answer for number one, I suppose. Uh, question two. <laughs> Why was uh, why was Bucky such a such a jerk about TT? I have uh, I have a a very uh, uh, like I have experience in this. Okay, being, being someone from up north, I do not refer to uh, my my dad's sister as aunt. I refer to her as aunt, and all of my aunts are my aunts. None of them are aunts. Yeah, this makes some people crazy for some reason. Uh, if I'm in mixed company, I will have to remind myself to say aunt instead of aunt, even though my natural predilection is to say aunt. And it, it, it's only because I know that there's people who are going to have a problem with me using that word. Yeah, that's why it's it, bit, and I think the I South get, is the exact same way, because I, I feel like I knew. A lot of people growing up who, you know, TT was the name for, for, for their aunt. I didn't have to be told this by the show. Living in the South, I knew that that's where that was coming from. And I and I think the reason here, uh, Bruce, is that he's just, he's an old-fashioned guy from the North, and he doesn't, he doesn't like any of these things in the South, and it confuses him, but what? So here's the thing, though. He was he's he was a jerk about it, though. He wasn't like I could see somebody saying, "TT is that like a, a name for one of your relatives or something?" But he he's more like, "What the heck is a TT?" Yeah, I, I think that he kind of knew what it was. He's just being a jerk about it. Yeah, yeah I think he's being purposefully antagonistic at a time when it wasn't necessary. 
Yeah, agreed. Well, but between these two, I don't see that being a thing. Come on now. <laughs> Plus, you got to remember, this guy was brainwashed for 60 years. He was born 106 years ago. He's probably running across strange words all the time, so he's probably learned how to fake like, oh, yeah, 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 I got a TT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he, then yeah. later go to like Urban Dictionary and look it up on his phone, like uh, like I do. He's like, I, he he's. I thought he was black. He's speaking Spanish over here. No, that's Tia. That's different. You're. Oh, come on now, get it right. I've got to say that uh, that is one of the things that I have learned as I'm getting older is that there's new terms coming out all the time. <laughs> yeah. This week I'm walking by two younger guys. They're not even that young. They're in their twenties, and one of them goes, "That dude's 13s, dude." And the guy goes. <laughs> He is 13s, really? Because, yeah, that guy's 13s, bro. Uh, okay, now old old man checking in here. I can't say that I know what that one is. I had no idea either, and everybody everybody that I ask who then looks in Urban Dictionary, and it's not there. What? Yeah. Ooh, okay, this so is that newness. Just, I, I just assume bad luck. No, no, no. It was like, it was more like, that guy's awesome. Oh, Huh. Yeah, that 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 dude's thirteen. Okay, bro. I, so it's I like got you it. get a tattoo, you ask for a thirteen, but you get a thirty-one. <laughs> I remember. You remember those? Uh, you remember back in the nineties? It was probably late eighties, early nineties. The uh, the lucky thirteen shirts and all that kind of crap. Feels like this is an offshoot <laughs> oh, of that. It's coming back in style. <laughs> yeah, it's coming back. Them lucky thirteen shirts that you've been storing back there since nineteen ninety two. Crack them open, boys and girls, because they are on Front Street again. Cool, I'm pulling out my Varnay shirts. <laughs> oh, man, Rude Dog is coming back. OP, baby. <laughs> Big Johnson shirts. What the hell? <laughs> Number three, Sean. Please Number three get us was away the from opening. Jamaica. Was the opening scene the best acting of Sebastian Stan's career? Now, I'm going to say that I assume Sebastian Stan has been in things that are not Marvel properties, but I have to confess, I've only seen him that I can recall in Marvel properties. And among those, I think this show as a whole is absolutely uh, uh, showcasing what he could do. Because I just assumed he probably couldn't act very well. So they gave him this rigid, cold character. But I was wrong. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I, I, I agree, really, is that I, I think he's doing a fantastic job here. He's had... You know, a plenty of other roles before, even outside of you know of being Bucky and everything. But that it's obviously the thing that I think most people are going to know him from at this point. And with that said, I, I think probably so. This was a uh, a fantastic opening and one that I frankly didn't see coming. And I and I I feel like you should have. I should have seen this coming. That we're gonna you know figure out what the old Wakandan you know backstory here is and everything. Uh, but it was done in a way that emotionally connects you with this character because you can see on his face exactly what he's going through. This thing that is usually the trigger to set him off into this mad killing machine is being said right in front of him. He feels like he knows it's not going to, nothing's going to happen, but at the same time too, there is that fear that deep down inside he has not yet beaten this thing. And the sense of dread and then ultimate release that comes on his face and everything by the end of that scene it really is fantastic. Yeah. It's so great. I have to confess, I quickly looked up his IMDb and he played Jeff Galuli and I, Tanya, and I'm going to say that's the best acting of his career. <laughs> that, uh, listen, that whole movie was fantastic. I, I, can't, yeah. I can't recommend that high enough for people that haven't seen I, Tanya. How did I also in Logan Lucky, was, which is also a good movie. Oh, yeah. It is a good movie, man, but it's no Jeff Galuli. Logan Lucky was stolen. The show was stolen by Adam Driver there. Yes. And maybe that, uh, what's the Craig Rogers guy? Anyway. 
Number four, Adam. Some low life. Uh, number four, if you've been hurt by the good guys, would you ever trust the good guys? Okay. Uh, yeah, again, another story time with Sean. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, uh, I, w- there was a person at work who was trying to get me fired, and she was an older lady. And she, she was trying her damnedest to get me fired. And everyone else loved her. I mean, like, oh, she's so sweet. She's so lovely. And that made me hate her even more. <laughs> that everybody else around, oh, she's so wonderful. She's so great. And the entire time she's trying to get me fired. And it's not because I was doing a bad job. It's because she wanted her husband to take my place. Ooh. So I hated her with a blinding passion. I hate her even to this day with the same amount of hate that I hated her back then. And it's because everyone else around me kept saying, I don't know why you have a problem with her. She's great. (laughs) So no, I would never trust the good guys. There are only two types of people, me and the bad guys. So That's just how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I this listen, I think a lot of I think it's an easy mindset for a lot of people to get into and you know, if if anybody's known, you know, anyone that was like in recovery and stuff like that, it's sometimes it's hard for those people to trust, you know, others that are, you know, want to do the right thing for them and vice versa. You know, this like, oh, this person is, you know, a little bit unstable. How can we make sure that, you know, trust is going both ways and everything? It, it's a tough road to hoe and uh, I can understand understand why these refugees would have this problem but at the same time too you also feel like you know but these are the good the good good guys you know so it's i i i like how we're keeping it you know realistic enough it feels like (laughs) that's why for most people once you reach a certain age your inner circle is small enough to be a pinky ring i mean it just gets smaller and smaller with time (laughs) it's true you believe you me kids uh it's much better that way when you get it down to as, as few as possible, boy, life feels a lot more free. That's that why way. That's why me and Sean's dad love quarantine, because nobody's allowed to talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> Number five, is Baron Zemo the exact reason we tell our kids don't take candy from strangers? And does the fact he was singing Ba Ba Black Sheep in a minor key sweeten the deal for any child on Earth? Maybe those kids. That's about as much. Like, you got to have it pretty bad for that to, like, the Baba Black Sheep is a thing that, like, knocks it off over the edge of you. Of, as your <laughs> child, you should, your first instinct should be run. You should tell them that, like, like <laughs> right as soon as they're able to understand it. If you hear anyone doing it, especially in that minor key, run away. It's bad news. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that you're right. I think this question hits all the hallmarks. It's one of the... One of the issues that I have with the show, like no kid in the real world will be taking candy from that guy at this point. Especially if it's the one candy worse than that butterscotch your grandma used to give you. I I think, though, like they could have gone in an actual like really happy route kind of thing to where we see, you know, Zemo put on this this air of lightheartedness and everything, and then, you know, switch on a dime back to this heartless, careless man who just wants to get, you know, exactly what he wants, and that's it. And that may have made him, you know, even creepier, that he can just turn on this lovely, charming thing that even even kids would come up to and go like, oh, I'll, I'll help you out, mister. You seem awful nice. Deep down inside, you know, black as night. 
I think Daniel Brühl is a great actor, but I don't know if Daniel Brühl has that speed in him. Because uh, yeah. there's something very off-putting about him in the first place. No matter what you see him in, it's a little off all the time. And I don't mean the acting performance. I mean the yeah. character he's playing. Yeah. not Definitely not somebody you're going to trust with your uh, PIN number to your ATM card. True. You know, I saw him in an interview this week where he was talking about that dance that everybody got to see the rest of his dance, you know? <laughs> and they were like, can you believe how big this has turned out? And he goes... I didn't think they were even going to show any of it because I was just doing something goofy and they, and they filmed it. And I was like, Oh, they're never going to use this take. And not only did they use it, they showed every bit of it. <laughs> oh man. It's like one of those awesome stories where the stuff on the cutting room floor is probably some of the best dancing ever seen, but they didn't want that on screen. Well, they did. They showed they, they Disney literally released the rest of his dance. Oh, nice. I got to check that out. I'll be right back. Any of the worm involved? <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's 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 almost all the same thing. It's just different variations thereof. In <laughs> uh, this there one, we a, turned it upside down. <laughs> there's a future for me as a choreographer now. Number six, Sean. Have you ever eaten Turkish Delight? And is it as terrible as it sounds? Have you eaten Turkish Delight, Mr. Jamie Dodger over there, Adam? I, I think that I have, or if it, I have, if I haven't, it's been a, a like a quick distant cousin to that from what I've seen when I look up Turkish Delights proper. And I have eaten it, but only in Europe. And here's how I would describe it. I'll, I'll let the individual decide if it's terrible or not, but I'm not a fan. But if you think of the, the firmness spectrum with jello on one side, and a gummy bear on the other, it's like right in between. Like it's too firm to be jello, but too soft to be a gummy bear. Mm. And maybe, maybe a little like earwax. I see. So it's a texture thing, really. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's kind of like, and on top of that, they don't try real hard to flavor it well. Yeah. It's not like it's, it's certainly not for a super American taste because it's, it is the flavor certainly like, much milder. Oh, this is. This is prune flavored, and this one's dried apricot flavored, and and that one is pomegranate flavored. I mean, it's it's weird flavors too. Yeah, it's it's, it's certainly not for American taste by any stretch. Have, but yeah, have it's, you ever just eaten a whole fig? Because it's about that appetizing. <laughs> oh wow, really? Yeah, and Nasty. you know, I, I I mean, figs have their fans, you know, but maybe I'm I only like them in a Newton. All those fig fans out there. Yeah, but it, an apple Newton's always better. I, I don't know that I'd say that that's true. I'm a, I, I gotta say I'm a regular, regular, uh, good old fashioned Newton fan that way. Guys, I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I have no, I have no dog in the Newton fight. <laughs> Apple Newton. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven. Uh, we get to uh, we get. Excuse me. We've got a lot to. We've got a bit to go in this series. But do you think Dr. Daniel Brühl will be best known as Baron Zemo from this show or Frederick Zoller in Inglorious Bastards? Two very kind of different, yet the same performances. Those are two big roles for him. But the third big role that you're forgetting about is The Alienist. Because that's that's a fairly Ooh. big show. I haven't seen that show, but the previews look awesome. I don't know it, about that. It's it's a TNT show about a, like crime-solving team of three uh during the turn of the century they were really promoting it heavily during the first season of snowpiercer so i've yes. seen all the previews but never seen an episode oh yeah yeah, I've, yeah i've seen the previews for that i've seen a couple of episodes of it it's not really my jam um but it i i can see where 
Like if, if you're somebody who's like, man, I love Peaky Blinders. I just wish it was slower. Like that's your show. I think I'm going to say that given the the two choices Adam laid out here, it's definitely going to be Zemo. Mm-hmm. Because when I think about Inglorious Bastards, the first thing I'm thinking about is Christoph Waltz. And then I'm probably thinking about, uh, uh, what's his name, Brad Pitt after that. And then Eli Roth even sticks out. It's like, yeah, Eli Roth yeah. was in that movie. And I don't really remember Daniel Brohl as much. Yeah, it's like there, there's a lot of his role that is a little bit underplayed there and not, you know, as flashy it, and big as the other. So, yeah, it makes sense. It, Zemo's a solid at least, I would say, 20% of this show. You know, there are going to be people that have different takeaways, but there are going to be folks that are like, man, the thing I most remember is how weird Zemo was there. And we didn't really get to know him at all in Civil War, in my opinion. So this is really the Zemo property. Yeah, this is the first time that we've ever got to see the character as, you know, a fully defined character and not just kind of some sort of, uh, you know, thing off in the past, in the distance that we just go, oh, we'll eventually get to that. It's like, no, we're here now with that. And uh, it's developing quite nicely, more so than I frankly thought it would. Do you think they're developing him into a bigger bad? Because that's what it feels like to me. They're getting ready to really like pull the trigger here on making him like just a, a, a force to be reckoned with in the MCU. I think they would be smart to do that. Like he's not going to, I don't know that he would ever get up to a, a Thanos level, if you will. Well, good Lord. I would, how, how would you, uh, but we have to, we have to keep that in mind now because we are past that particular block within the Marvel uh, universe and everything now. So, the next things are either going to have to be, you know, these more small contained things or something that's even bigger than Thanos. And like, I think we need to dwell down in the street level stuff for a little while longer before we go completely blockers. I'm trying to think of a TV or movie character to compare him to, but I feel like they're trying to play him into this role where every so often he shows up and you know, you shouldn't trust him, but you go ahead and feel like you don't have any choice to trust him. And he double crosses people like 20 times in a row. And for some reason, people keep trusting him. Like, like that's what I'm feeling. Oh, Maybe like Loki more than Thanos, but a non-supernatural Loki. Sure. Yeah. The, Destro. I, <laughs> yes, Destro. <laughs> yeah, I can I can definitely see him being that the kind of omnipresent lower level villain that's always kind of there and can you know swoop in, do whatever he does, and then kind of swoop back out. And never has to be that kind of oh, giant. The maybe whole like a little finger, like like using the Game of Thrones analogy. Maybe like a little. There finger. There you go, little finger. Perfect. Number eight, Bruce. When Sam says to Carly, I agree with your goals. I just don't agree with how you're going about it. It's a line taken almost verbatim from the comics. In the comics, it's Steve Rogers talking to Carl Morgan, though. Do these direct recreations give you joy or do they seem derivative? Uh, for me, I, I I like them. And yes, it, it is a, a well-worn kind of uh, line, if you will. But there's a reason why, because it's it's very accurate and it's very real to real life. There are, you know, people that may have, you know, good, you know, intentioned ideas and stuff, but go about accomplishing those in all of the wrong ways. So having Sam say this is it seems a little bit cliche, but it's cliche for a reason is that you don't always have to go about, you know, uh, killing people in order to get things done correctly. But sometimes you have to. So that's the tough part. 
And I usually like it. I, I usually like when that happens. I, I'm a sucker for that, actually. I totally like it now. But if you go back to when I was 20 years old, it would have burned me up. I'd be like, why? That's not who said that. This other guy's who said that. Why? Why, why are they doing it wrong? And now I totally love it. And in fact, sometimes I see it and make, you know, makes me feel a little bit smarter than my, my son because I know it where it comes from and he doesn't. Question nine. Do you think Falcon took Enfy's nest threatening his nephew's lives too well? way too well like that should be the maybe he hates his nephews though i don't know how the family dynamic goes <laughs> he hasn't seen him in five years it gets you know doesn't really care too much <laughs> but um for me i think this actually speaks towards the character uh, of sam in that while this would you know snap a whole lot of other people he is taking things from the most you know clear-headed way that he could possibly you know, you could possibly ask from them, quite frankly. I don't think that you, you could do better than like, okay, let me get them. Let me tell them that this is the place that they need to go. And I can't sit and worry about them right now because I got to do these other things to make sure that they're going to continue to be safe where they are. And also the thing that that phone call really infuriated me because I can just think somebody in your mid forties and there's some kid in their twenties on the other end of the phone saying, I like you, you sound a lot like me. I'd be like, Oh, blow it out your nose. I've been yeah. where you are before, buddy. Don't tell me I'm like you. you yeah. Idiot. You have no idea who I am. You know nothing. <laughs> but, but I don't know. Maybe he's coming from a point of view where like, well, if, if you act like it's not that big a deal, then they're going to go with another strategy. But if you show how much it motivates you, then they're going to just lean into it. So maybe there's some of that going on. Yeah, you can't know. you can't play your hand, especially with like, you know, in this kind of comic book world and everything, you play your hand to your villain. That villain then knows everything about you and is able to, you know, one-up you in that case. So uh, that's how I see it, at least. Yeah, I'm a believer in the strategy. <laughs> and of course, I have no shame anymore. But if somebody's trying to blackmail you or something, you just go out and you tell everybody yourself, hey, I did this, sorry, before they get a chance. They're like, ha now what you going to do, idiot? That's what Iron Man did. <laughs> yeah. Number 10, guys, I can't believe they did it, but they made the super soldier serum into the one ring. Has it been like this the whole time and I've only just noticed it? I, I love this. I know what the one ring is. I get the reference. I don't understand how it relates to the super soldier serum. It grants so much power that you have to destroy it because that power corrupts whoever holds it. I see. And, you know, and I did not make that connection till Adam wrote this question. So I want to say good on you, Adam. That was a great question. It's It just it screamed to me so hard. And of all people, I was just like, Zemo's going to be Boromir. Am I wrong? I mean, like, it feels like the most <laughs> obvious thing in the world. And he doesn't. And that uh, was yeah, that was surprising yeah, I, to me. I was so shocked that he actually has principles. And I think that colors that character a little differently. And then we find out probably John Walker's Boromir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or at least Sauron. Yeah, because he's he's constantly wanting that. He's he's searching after it, but like you can tell that that the look on his face when he's holding it and everything, just like, oh, this this is it. This is the. I I, I can't believe they did that. And that's what I just I've I've just leapt up and I was like, oh, this is Lord of the Rings. This is great. <laughs> Let's go to eleven. Do you think we end up seeing John Walker in a therapy session with Bucky's therapist to finally address his PTSD? And do Bucky and Walker end up supporting one another in dealing with their respective struggles? 
the only way I see that happening is at the end of all this in the post post credit scene at the end of the last episode. Maybe Walker's sitting down trying to get better. Uh, yeah. But I don't. I, with as few episodes as we've got left with this bad boy, uh, I don't. I don't think we're going to be spending any time in a therapist's office. Uh, yeah, but uh, just like you say, I can see at the very end we see Bucky leading uh, Johnny Walker down a long hallway, and you think he's taking him to the Supermax prison, talking about how awful it's going to be. He's going to suffer like he's never suffered before. Opening the door, walk in, they both sit down, and there's that fake Edie Falco. That's not a bad. That's not a bad line. I like. Yeah, that. it's not a bad way to end to end the season for sure. I, you know, I, I think it mostly depends on what happens in the next episode. Yeah. You know how how does John Walker bounce back next episode? Because if if they're gonna if they're gonna turn him full heel, which they might do, then then you know there's there's gonna be a point of no retribution for him. He'd almost have to like if if this isn't that final turn that we see in this episode, it has to happen full fledged next episode. If indeed it already hasn't happened at the end of this episode, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in these next two. I got to admit, they got me on the hook for sure. Yeah, I, I'm I, I am enjoying this show so much. Question. Number twelve. Why didn't we ever think about using Falcon's jetpack as a flamethrower? Are we idiots? <laughs> Here's my question: Did the Mandalorian ever do that? Because that's the guy that I can't believe I didn't think should do that. Well, he had his own flamethrower, so like he didn't even but have to worry about that. He think had a front about this one. flinging flames in two different directions. Hey, I'm not saying that we don't need something to look forward to in season three, but you know, <laughs> especially could bend over like uh, Timothy Oliphant firing the rocket, and instead shoot those flames out, put the other arm forward, oh. shoot them out, and then just do like a little ballet pirouette. And what if Falcon degrees? has a whole bunch of three? alarm chili just before that oh talk about and the strange thing is when i read this question sean suddenly i started picturing what if falcon's backpack was just wings and no jetpack and they had to flap like a bird every time he flew <laughs> that'd be great <laughs> or they just they hold out and that's it and you've got to just you, <laughs> you know, got to get a running go like take off like a like a glider a hang glider this part's always tough <laughs> oh i want to see those wings flapping away while he gets airborne I'll be about 13. Yes, 13. Uh, this one comes to us from Rob. Rob writes, the end of the last episode, it's meant to uh, shock at the new cat being a disgrace. But do you think that the show will tackle how the news, when the news breaks, that maybe back home, love for him uh, is more for killing a terrorist? And what if Walker's popularity rises? That's Rob from the UK and the We Have Been Watching podcast. Check it out. Yeah, great podcast there. Uh, I don't know how the MCU is going to handle it, but in real world America, I found at least one person already praising uh, Walker's actions on Twitter that said now it's his favorite Captain America of all time because oh <laughs> he's willing to do what it takes. So in in the real world, you know, just like I said, the people who uh, uh, take the wrong message home after watching the boys, I think some of that's happening here, too. Yeah, it's bound to happen wherever you go. Um, I think as far as this series goes, I don't think that they, at least in my perspective, I don't think that they want to go down that road because the the lines are already a little bit garbled as they are right now with this, and I don't think you need to add on one more layer onto that because ultimately that, I don't know, maybe it goes back to the, the watcher at some point that is watching this episode and going... 
oh, is this what they think about me? And I, I don't know that they want to add another level into that that would just be too much going on for the show. And, also, you know, also, it would make me tired watching it. And, I, you know, we've been through it in real life for so for 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 so many years. I I don't yeah. want to see it in my in my narrative television show. And just assuming they're kind of following the broad themes of the comics in the comics, the government people are like, we can't tolerate that action from Captain America, but we can totally tolerate it from a new guy. So you're U.S. agent now. You'll do the dirty jobs like I could see it going that way. I mean, because there's yeah. precedent in the comics. Yeah. We'll tell everybody that, that you're dead and we'll change your name from Johnny Walker to Jack Daniels. And then you go out and you do the job. <laughs> but because you're Jack Daniels, you get it done a lot more sloppily, if you dig what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> 14 Zemo's character is really getting developed in this show to a much greater degree than in the movies do you think Feige is considering a possible Thunderbolt show in the future absolutely that's happening absolutely it's being considered I think that whenever it comes to be, especially now that there's not a big team in the MCU I, I think it is absolutely possible that we'll get a young avengers i think it's absolutely possible that we we might get something like the thunderbolts and uh, i think they'll work great for disney plus streaming shows rather than theatrical releases too right. which seems like something they're interested in and a in. way to test the waters to make sure that like if and that's a thing that you want to do and maybe you know if it does and we haven't seen it yet but there's a possibility that something does well in the television realm and they're like okay we want to have the quote unquote season finale if you will you know on the big screen or something like that this yeah. could be that proving ground for those smaller shows to go like oh you guys really love it? because honestly god think about it if a, you go okay the end of mandalorian season two now you've got a mandalorian you know 90 minute movie that's in the theater this week people would go see it because it's that it had gotten yeah. to the point where it's big enough to where people will spend money for that and and i could really see uh you know zemo becoming like citizen v or maybe not citizen v but that's what he did in the comics and it's like really fun exploring these characters that are doing the right thing for the wrong reasons yeah 15, Sean. Do you think the first thing Winter Soldier is going to do when he gets back to America is fix the robot arm thing? See, I think he is, but I think he doesn't really know how to do it, so he's just going to wrap a bunch of duct tape around it and hope that that works. Mm. Well, I, I like how it just kind of you know sunk back into the arm, reconnected itself and everything. I don't know what else he could really do beyond that because it just feels like it's a, a grabby mechanism. Because it's back on his shoulder and it's implanted in there and everything. So unless he has something that connects from like one shoulder to the other one so it doesn't you know, pop I'm, off I'm or something, I don't know. thinking duct tape all around that torso, you know, just tape it on real good so they can't yank it off. Oh, he but can, it's going to be some sort of combination touch lock kind of a thing. I mean, they could do a bunch of things. He could just go silver all around his entire body so it all matches up and you wouldn't really quite know where the arm starts and takes off. What are we, 16? Yeah. 16. 16. Uh, did anyone, uh, this one comes to us from Corey D. Uh, did anyone see them killing off Battlestar, Battlestar, or is he not really dead and Walker's uh, freakout is just that much, much more heinous? I think you called this one, Sean. I sure did. I so sure did. One person saw them killing him off. I like the idea. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me of like a Twilight Zone episode or something, but I like the idea that after he kills the guy, Battlestar runs up and goes, 
what'd you do that for? I was just winded. <laughs> I got my <laughs> bell rung. I wasn't dead. I mean, like, you need to shake me a little bit more before you decide to go on a wild and crazy killing spree, sir. Because, yeah, there was like a, an episode of the Twilight Zone that it sticks out in my mind pretty well. Like one of the resurrections of the uh, revivals of the Twilight Zone, not the original Rod Serling. But this guy is getting his wife out of the hospital after she was just attacked and he's driving in the parking garage. And she goes, there he is. That's the man that attacked me. So he pulls over the car, jumps out, chases the guy down, strangles him to death with his bare hands, gets back in the car, starts driving off. And then every person that they pass on the rest of the trip, the wife keeps pointing. That's the guy that attacked me. That's the guy that attacked, you know, because she's, yeah. Yeah. So I can see something like that would be crazy. Marvel, get on it. Put in some old, old, old Twilight Zone in there. We don't care. (laughs) Number 17, Battlestar says to Walker, You have proven time and again you always make the right decisions in battle. So to quote Chandler Bing, could he be any more wrong? Uh, Sir, uh, if it were Chandler Bing, it would be, could he be any more wrong? I'm glad someone had to say it that wasn't me, but... (laughs) (laughs) I I think it's true, though. Like, he is... I think he's just that constant guy who goes... He's gonna get a promotion, and then I'm gonna be Captain America. So I gotta kick his, <laughs> I gotta kiss his ass all the way along. No, listen, boss, you do the best jobs that there ever was. <laughs> well, you know the other thing about this is that he's he's the voice of reason for New Cap. Battlestar was so th- the fact that he's saying this may not be necessarily all 100 percent true, but it's what. New Cap needed to hear, which is why Battlestar said oh. it to him. Yeah, that, I think that's right. Because when he said that, I was like, whoa, is there is there more than one Johnny Walker in this show and I've missed it? I've never <laughs> seen this guy make the right decision. You know, it, it, the o- really the only person that Johnny Walker will have his mind changed is through Battlestar. Battlestar twice in this episode talks him off the ledge of doing something stupid. and And the other time, he just kind of stalls him and then you know he goes off anyway and so i would imagine that battlestar now being gone not having that voice there anymore we're gonna get some really great new cap Mm, delicious chef's kiss (laughs) oh man 18 18 well one of those wakanda ladies retired do you think they're that they can grow their hair back I think that's the number one reason they might retire. They're like, okay, I got two more years and then I can grow those glorious locks back. Cause man, I've really been wanting to get one of those uh, Jennifer Aniston haircuts from friends. (laughs) But doesn't it work though? But if you shave your head enough, it's just not going to come back. I don't know. I don't think it works that way. Oh, <laughs> I, I have no idea. I don't know. What... Do you think they do you think they ever get busted, though? Like they've got the weekend off and they're going to the beach with their friends and they get busted wearing a wig and they're like, oh, you're faking your hair. You're in big trouble now. <laughs> now you got to do five more years before you get to retire. Uh, I, I like that whole crew. Um, I love their presence. They are uh, frightening. They, they yeah. do look like they're they awesome. can kick the crap out of anybody who is in that room. And when they just go, oh, yeah, we go where we want to go. And you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I do love it when Johnny Walker's walking over like, hey, calm down, little lady. And then bap, 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 bap. Next thing <laughs> you know, she's got his shield and he's there on the floor. 
Oh man! Yeah, you, you totally buy all that stuff, and they, they were they were fantastic. So, but I would love to. I don't know. It may be one of those things where like you just can't shake them of it, and they're like, nope. That means one more thing that I have to deal with during the day, so I'm not gonna. I don't know. So some it, of those. It's a great scene. Some of those military people never get over. That Plus shaking. his breakdown afterwards when he's like on the verge of tears, and he's like. They weren't even super soldiers. Like, you really see Johnny breaking down this episode. Yeah, I think that was the thing that really knocked him over the edge with some of that was the fact that he saw, oh, th- these people don't even have anything, and they are putting me, you know, on the last ropes here. How dare you make me question my core beliefs that I'm stronger than you? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to 19. Did you guys notice that we didn't actually see the va- uh, the uh, last vial of super soldier serum being used? Any thoughts? What are you uh, getting at with this? Well, yeah, obvious, obviously, I mean, I didn't think, think about not seeing it because we saw the results. But right, well, I we believe what you got. We believe that we saw the results. I don't know. That's why I ask it. Just, I mean, dude, I, he he bent a lead pipe around that dude's arm. Right now, again, because I think we may have edited this question out, but there, because I wanted to kind of basically throw it in with this question as well. Uh, what if that was just a partial dose? We don't. I mean, like I said, we don't know. I mean. We do, but yeah. we we don't 100% know. I, yeah, I just we don't, don't, we don't know there's a wild happened. possibility. That's all. It, and then also, like, I guess the question that got cut out was, what would happen if you only took half a dose and you gave Battlestar half a dose? Would Precisely. You all, would both of you be stronger than you used to be, just not full-on super soldier strong? I would like to think it's just half of you is, like a mermaid. But <laughs> oh, with I love it. Like, oh, Awesome. Crap, it's it, it's not the arms or the legs. It's the torso. I got killer abs, but that's all. <laughs> Actually, that's a win. Take whatever win you can get in life. <laughs> he can't do anything else, but his abs look divine. <laughs> uh, can we solve this disagreement with a crunch contest? <laughs> if not, I don't want to be involved. Question 20. Would you guys take the super soldier serum if it was offered to you? This is a tough one because I think, you know, the the first blush is like, sure, why not? But then, you know, you do, it, I guess it's kind of like Spider-Man in a lot of ways. Like, whatever you have there is probably going to come back to bite you in some way, shape, or form if you're not careful. And it is a lot of power to have in one's possession. That's, again, why I liken it uh, very much to the One Ring is that, you know, it's, it is so much power you feel like perhaps other people shouldn't have it. Should you have it? If you had it, would you would you do good things with it? Even if your intention was to do those good things, would you? I'd have my sleeve rolled up and my shoulder exposed before they got to the end of the question. Yeah, absolutely, me too, which might surprise you to know that, but I absolutely would take they'd, it. They'd be like, well, don't you want to think about the side effects nope. and consequences and say, lady, if you think you can make my life any worse, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> He's drinking it down, and they haven't even told him what it is yet. He's just like, give it. It's not a Gogurt, sir. It's a super soldier serum. Uh, it'd be like, seriously, have you seen the list of enemies I have to smite? Get it on with. Also, also, something happens where you take the super soldier serum, and you seem to really be able to rock out a hoodie real well. And I love my hoodies. <laughs> Question 21. Question 21. Is Enfy's Nest going to be an Avenger or Avengers adjacent by the end of the season? I think she's crossed a line that narratively won't let her be redeemed to that level. Yeah, it's going to be pretty tough. I feel like she, you know. I think she could be a Thunderbolt. Yeah, 
No, that's not a bad choice, but it it doesn't feel like you know joining the Avengers per se would be high up on that list because they'd be like, well, you did murder all of these people. Like, how do we know that you're going to be, you know, at least halfway not killy? And she she threatened uh, innocent kids and stuff like that. Like, even if she later says it wasn't a sincere threat. I just, you know, once again, painted by years of the way comic book editors say, once you do this certain thing, that's it. You can't be a hero again. And I think she's crossed that line. Very good. Good stuff. 22. Uh, this one comes to us from Joe. Joe writes, the only other time I thought Marvel would go savage with the shield was at the end of Civil War. And that was only for a split second. Did you ever think Marvel would go so brutal with that shield? It hurt my soul to watch. That's uh, from Joe S., who just joined us at patreon.com slash HMP. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, Joe. And just a little bit to let people know, you're allowed to join the HMP Patreon, even if you only listen to the 30 questions. Yeah, don't, we're not Don't feel like you're not allowed. It. It's okay. It's allowed. Uh, so, you know, the thing with this, with the shield, uh, after my first viewing... I did not get that he had that new cap had decapitated that guy. It was after my second viewing where I was like, Oh, they're making it. They're trying to show you that he did decapitate that guy. Um, the editing was off. Uh, but I, I, I get what they're trying to do now. Yeah. It's really just trying to zip around being super graphic with that. Uh, right. And, and the placement of where the shield was coming down when you're looking at it from up above, it looks like he's hitting him in the chest, but he's actually going to take yeah. out, take him out at the neck. I understand that. Um, uh, I will tell you that I, I was shocked. This was, this was a shocking moment. You would think that Steve, after so many years of using the shield, would have decapitated a few folk. <laughs> At least by well, accident. Sometimes it takes new eyes to come up with new ideas, you know? I I think, like, for the story, it fits. But, you know, some meta-analysis, not only the Marvel property, but the fact that Marvel's now a DC property, I'm kind of surprised they went so brutal with it and had him standing there with the blood dripping from the shield. Yeah. I mean... Uh, Caught me off guard. Caught me off guard. 23. This episode really made it clear that Sam's values and actions are the closest to Steve Rogers of anyone in the MCU. Has this always been the case and I've missed it or have they ramped it up for the show? Well, I, I didn't even think about this until I read your question, Bruce, but looking back now, it sure seems like that. It seems like he's the closest to Steve of anyone we have. And I guess the biggest comparison I would put is that question that was asked earlier about uh, Sam's niece and nephew or Sam's nephews being threatened. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you threaten Tony Stark's nephews, the whole building you're in gets taken out. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what happens if you threaten uh, Black Widow or Hawkeye's family. I mean, it's over with for you then. Like Steve is the only one of the original Avengers, uh, maybe maybe Banner just because of the duality of that character, but he's the only one who would want to come up and talk it out and say, why are you hurting so much that you thought you had to threaten my nephews instead of saying, all right, we got to eliminate that threat, no questions asked. Right. And I think Sam has been this amazing person all along. I mean, really from the moment that we meet him, uh, you know, running around the monument there and everything, 
uh, we learn everything that there is to know about this guy. This guy doesn't give up. He wants to do as best as he possibly can. He loves helping people, but he's not afraid to get in there and get things muddy if and they need to actually get that way. Uh, so I, I feel like we've been th- we've been training for this since day one, and I it's it's always been clear to me with like when he gave Sam the shield at the end uh, of uh, in is Endgame is that the last one? Um, it it felt right. It felt a hundred percent right, even though that we you know we've we've heard of the other times where you know Bucky's gotten the shield at some point. With how the the narrative in the MCU has gone. He is so the right person to get this because he is so much like Steve. And like he said uh, in one of the movies, the only thing that separates you know him and me is just a little bit of speed. I do it a little bit slower than he does, but I'm on the exact yeah. same page as that guy. He, I mean, it's in Civil War when he tells Cap, "I'm I'm going wherever you're going. I just get there a little bit slower." Yep, precisely. Twenty four. Were you hoping that Wakanda lady would walk out with new Cap shield like I was? That would have been such a great storyline, man. That that would have been awesome. Uh, just imagine how that would have got under Walker's skin. It see it seemed insane because there was that half a second where you're like, because she 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 hit it up and grabbed it just so assuredly that it was like, uh oh, where are we going now? This is gonna get this is gonna get bananas if she's got oh, this man. in her hands. I would have loved for her to keep it for two reasons. First, it would have made for a great Marvel Legends figure, you know, to get the uh, Dora Milaje with Cap Shield. And then also it would have just so trolled a certain person who thinks Captain America can't be a lady or can't be black. And here it is with a black lady having it. I would have enjoyed the troll value, too. At the same time, too, I did find it a little bit weird that, like, after she's picked it up and she's got it and everything, she basically just drops it right back down in front of him. I'm like, I'll throw it across the room or something. Well, she was told to do it because she was going to yeah. walk out. And Io told her to drop yeah. it. Yeah, but yeah. she just drops it as opposed to, like, you know, they're, flinging it they're across not the common room thieves. They're not common thieves. They're there on a mission. 25. This one comes to us from Kevin Jones, a.k.a. Will Billy. Will Billy. Uh, he writes, we have heard a few anecdotes about what happened during the blip. We say Natasha, Cap, and company dealing with the emergencies of grief in Endgame. Acting director Tyler Hayward and WandaVision referred to as what did we sur- uh, what we did to survive. And now Carly and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier talking about how it was actually a blessing for people like her. Refugees looking for a better life were welcomed with open arms. It appears, depending upon your point of view, that the snapped may have worked as intended. Was this explored at all in the comics, or do we believe that seeing this in future, uh, in this explored future of the MCU? That's from Will Billy. Well, in the comics, uh, if you go back to the source material that inspired the snap and killing half the people, there were no noble intentions from Thanos in the comics. He wasn't doing it to help the environment or to make the world a better place. He was doing it because he had a crush on the Grim Reaper and he thought it would make her horny if he killed half of every living thing in the universe. So this whole nobility question wasn't even raised until the movies. And and I expect it to continually be uh, explored at this point because it's some new territory they can get where we don't know where they're going. Well, don't bury the lead, Bruce. Did it work? No, she dumped him for Deadpool. Mm. It happens. Guys, guys, a fast talker. <laughs> just like betty crocker and what they say fast talker betty crocker or something like that something like that 26 bruce is captain america holding a bloody shield and striking a pose the closest to a 90s comic splash page we're ever going to get yes 
because they're not going to put him in a robot suit. <laughs> they're not going to make him a werewolf. This is as close as we're getting. There's been a lot of good ones, actually, really in the MCU of kind of a big Marvel splash pages and stuff. The first one that comes to mind is the one where they're in the Avengers, where they're going into the uh, the snow filtrated, uh, you know, wherever that place is in the in the beginning of is it the second Avengers movie? Yeah, I think so. Whichever one that Age is. Age of Ultron. Yeah, in Age of Ultron where they're like zooming in and it slows down and Hulk kind of comes into frame and everything. That was a that was a pretty 90s moment right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where it's just it's, uh, all of these characters on screen and everything and you're just like, oh, this is like a George Perez <laughs> you know, frame right here. Yeah, this, this is really leaning into uh, the extreme movement that led to Image Comics. Yeah, th- this one, obviously, th- the blood is what kind of drives it to that ultimate 90s level right there. But yes, a robot suit would have been the only real kicker at the top for that to make it even better. Or, you know, some <laughs> some lady wearing next to nothing with bizarre wasp-thin waist or something like that. Yeah, and and chromium. Yeah. Oh, chromium. We need some sort of chromium on this bad boy. Die-cut cover. That's why there's no more chromium in the world. They used it all for comic book covers in the 90s. <laughs> Oddly enough, though, still worth nothing. <laughs> yeah. Bizarre. 27, Sean. Do you think that tourist who asked for John Walker's autograph is now trying to sell it on eBay? <laughs> yeah, you got to do that before the news actually hits the 11 o'clock show or something like that. Be like, quick, 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 quick. I don't care I what I get I can see her it. watching the bids go up, and then the news comes out, and she watches the bids go back down. Like, I don't think bids <laughs> can do that on eBay, but that'd be, that would be like a family guy scene. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Uh, question 28, this comes to us from Matt. Matt writes, when my seven-year-old asked me if, if yeah, hmm, pardon me, when my seven-year-old asked me if so, I think that's misread there. So-and-so. So If so-and-so, I should hyphenate that, uh, is a good guy or a bad guy, and I'm no longer able to give him a straight answer. This is a bit confusing for him, but is it a sign that the MCU is maturing? Love the show, Matt from Bristol, UK. Yeah, I think it's it's a sign of kind of reflecting real life, you know. Uh, I'm a parent too, and sometimes it's tough to answer those questions. I like it when a show when a show like this is giving us those things that allows for discussion because these are difficult questions, and what better ways uh, to to go through and try to analyze those things in a place where they don't really mean anything in a fictional world. And we can then take those things, as we've done for a millennia since storytelling was invented, where we can you know, attempt to learn from those stories in the future. It goes, okay, what about this story can we apply to things in our own lives? And a lot of times it's not that you know, cut and dry. There are uh, you know, gradations out there. And I, I like that this show is leaning into that and asking people, well, what do you think? What, how do you think you know, things should go? And everybody's going to have a different answer, and that's why I like shows like this where we can talk about those kinds of things and different avenues that uh, that you can go down. And I'm enjoying it so far. To me, yeah, I, look pretty, forward, I look forward to that aspect. I mean, maybe a little bit of a message there about respect the individual, not the costume. Yeah, and there's a lot about that, too, where, like, she even mentions, she goes, listen, if you were Captain America, I would just go ahead and kill you right now. But if I kill you, who are you? No one gives a crap about you. People give a crap about Captain America because that guy's a symbol. That guy is, you know, someone who people look up to. 
you could have been that guy, and perhaps you would, you and I would be having a much different conversation if I was need Captain America right now. And I, I like that juxtaposition that we normally don't see in these, you know, let's be honest, silly kids shows. Yeah. 29. Do you think we'll get a flashback to that fateful day in Afghanistan that simultaneously made Walker a hero and traumatized him to such a degree he can't easily continue to be one? I, I, if, you know, I would have originally, like, if all of this would have come out in an earlier episode, like, you know, episode one or two, basically, yeah. I would have said, we are getting it, no doubt about it. But the fact that we haven't gone back to Isaiah Washington means that I don't know. I, I would guess I want to see what that was. I want to see what he did, but I don't know if we're going to get it. Now, I I agree, and I think I have the exact same uh, thought process and everything. The only thing that gives me a little bit of uh, of hope that we might see that is the beginning of precisely this episode, where we have that flashback to Wakanda. Uh, so seeing that in place means that there's at least a little bit of a uh, a precedent set for it. So it wouldn't be completely unheard of to have these two meet up and then see, you know, a little bit of that story ahead of time or something to that uh, effect. Effect, yeah. And how come they gave three congressional medals to uh, Johnny Walker and didn't give at least one to Battlestar? Like, I didn't even know you could get multiple congressional medals of honor for the same day. I, I thought they were like Lifetime Achievement Awards or something. I, I don't know how all those things work. I'd like to say that I, I, I do, but most of it, I'm think, while I think about it, I'm like, that's eh, probably all based on movies, though. It may not be right. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going, I have a good idea. Wait a minute. Was that just, uh, you know, was that just an Oliver Stone film? I, I, I don't know. Who's to say? <laughs> it would be kind of great if, like, every year at the Oscars, they gave the same person a Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh, man, what a great idea until they die and then they have yeah. to give it to somebody else. What a lovely idea. <laughs> Jack Palance again? What? <laughs> I guess it's Wallace Shawn now. Hey, uh, hey, that would that would be well deserved right there. You could highlight something new that he did every year, and you'd you'd still have a ton of stuff. That guy is a that might horse. actually get me to watch them too. Yeah, <laughs> this would have been the year to start that. Man, what's Wallace Shawn gonna say this year? <laughs> Number thirty, Shawn. I made a movie where I just sat in a guy with a booth, and all we did was talk, and that was the <laughs> film. And you know what? They loved it. Unbelievable. Go ahead. 30. 30. Bruce Guest Power Broker. I guess the death of Battlestar would make New Cap go crazy. Are you going to swing for the fences, Portress? All right. This is a big one. This is one I don't like doing, but I feel like if we're going to swing for the fences, you got to swing and you got to swing big time. You're either going to go big or go home, and I plan on doing as such right now. I am saying Sam does not make it past this series. Sam. No, no, Sam, wow. what did I say? Did I say Sam? My God. You said Sam. <laughs> no, John, Bucky is not is not making it past this uh this season. That's my that's, that's my that's solid. That's, yeah, that's, that's my solid. Best. That's a good one. It feels like there's a darn good chance that it could happen because we need to complete his story. That said, the only thing that gives me a little bit of apprehension about that is that we haven't quite uh we would have to wrap up his little uh dangling participle there with the uh, gentleman that he uh, <laughs> oh, this the bar is a PG with. show man watch it. <laughs> uh, he needed to like we haven't gotten to the end of that and unless we do that in a, a quick roundabout way at the end and then he kicks off I I don't know that's the only thing that gives me pause that it might not go to the end of this but I'm gonna say at this point 
I think Sam or Sam, I keep saying it, damn. Uh Buck will not. Yes, James yeah. will not hit the end of this series or pass I, this series. Let's put it that way. I say Sharon Carter is actually Ultron. Sweet baby Jesus, that's a big swing. That's the, you know, I, I, I feel like mine was a little bit more, you've already got your power broker. I don't know why you need to go for broker, you know what I'm saying? Cut it out. Well, because he already won, so he doesn't need yeah, doesn't oh, need to be right. Exactly, you just keep swinging at the fan, and eventually it's just called, ah, I was right that one time, what do you care? Well, that is it, everybody. That'll do it for this episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier 30 Questions. If you would like to get your answer, or question answered on the air, email us at marvel30q at gmail.com. Short and sweet to the point, and uh, we might just get you on that show. Bruce, where can we find more of your work on the Internet? Uh, I'd love for people to check out my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash C slash Bruce Leslie. I've got a great video about Flag Smasher from the comics, a great video about John Walker and Battlestar. And coming up this Thursday will be one about Baron Zemo, or maybe I should say Baron's Zemo. Hmm. Uh, Sean, if anyone was like the biggest Sylvester Stallone fan in the world, where would they go? Oh, what an excellent question. So you see all, all the lions in Voltron, they all have to meet up at the Black Lion. And for our podcasting, all, all of our podcasts meet back at our version of the Black Lion, which is Hero Movie Podcast. So please check that out because every week we review a new nerd thing. And on top of that, I relate every single episode back to Sylvester Stallone. One to one, it's pretty amazing. We've been doing it for three hundred fifty times now. <laughs> mm-hmm. What a what a who knew that this bit would go on that long? I certainly didn't, but I enjoy it every single week, and hopefully you will too. Hero movie podcast and uh, check out my other show, The Film Find. Uh, we're back. We did an episode on Godzilla, and there's another episode that should be out as you're listening to this about the movie Slacks. That's right. There's a movie where a pair of pants goes around killing people, and I watched it and talked about it. Check that out. The Film Find wherever you find finer podcasts. That is it everybody join us next week when we're talking another 30 questions for sweet sean's of kovacs on the internet bruce leslie i'm adam portress welcome punch